Welcome into another special edition of the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast and YouTube show, the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years in the NBA. If you haven't caught up yet, we've already done players 50 through 35. Today, we will finish out the 30s and above. We'll give you players 34 through 30. And it, I didn't intentionally do this, but this all of these players kind of pair well together. You have two of the best second options on dynasties. You have two of the best perimeter defensive players ever, and you have one of the most underrated and forgotten players of NBA history paired with someone, some would argue, is one of the most overrated and far too relevant in the contemporary pop culture in NBA history. So that those are five guys. We will start with number 34. Number 34, Kevin McHale. So Kevin McHale's All-NBA and MVP finishes, that part of his resume is not great. He's only first-team All-NBA one time. He only has one top-five MVP finish. He is two-time sixth man of the year, but sixth men of the year typically aren't top 50 all-time guys. And he has six-time All-Defense. And whenever you mention Kevin McHale, you have to mention his legendary footwork, a guy that Charles Barkley said was the hardest player he ever had to defend. So... When your resume is that light on individual accomplishments, how do you get not only make this list, but make the top 35 of this list? Well, he's a three-time champion, five-time finalist, and he was the second best player on, I would argue, two of those championship runs. The title in 81, he wasn't their second best player yet, but he was Bird's Robin to Bird's Batman for the majority of the Celtics dynasty, and he showed up in the biggest moments. 1985, when the Celtics lost in six to the Lakers, he had 32 and 16 in the final game of that series and averaged 26 and 11 for that series, leading the Celtics in points and rebounds for the 85 finals. In 1986, games five and six against Sampson and Akeem. Again, the two big men for Houston in the 86 finals are Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon. What does Kevin McHale do in games five and six? 33 and eight, followed by 29 and 10. Once again in that finals, he leads the Celtics in points per game. So back-to-back finals, he scores more points than Larry Bird. So again, this isn't a situation where it was just Larry Bird carrying the Celtics dynasty. And I understand Parrish is a player a lot of historians, and he's on the NBA top 50 and the top 75 list. I think Parrish is a touch overrated and McHale's a touch underrated. 85 and 86 finals, McHale leads the Celtics in points per game in both finals, and he's doing it against having to guard Kareem in the 85 finals, having to guard Sampson or Akeem in the 86 finals, or at least being a part of it. Obviously, Robert Parrish had to deal with the big men on the opposing team as well. Then you you move on, and Kevin McHale breaks his foot, and this is kind of the fork in the road moment for him because... Today's NBA, he'd have sat down for probably a year. He plays through it, averages 21-9 and that postseason, which ends in a finals loss to the Lakers, with a broken foot. 1988, what happens? He's 25-8 and on 60% shooting in the 88 postseason. Again, this is post-foot injury, 25-8 and on 60% shooting for the postseason. They lose to Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals. He And in, in round two, which was the famous Dominique-Larry Bird duel, Kevin McHale quietly 
goes 33 and 13 in a game Boston wins by two. And then at that, after that, Bird's back is gone, McHale's foot is gone, and they're done. But if we're going to try to reward winning, if we're going to try to reward real postseason success, we have to acknowledge that Kevin McHale was not just a supporting actor in the Celtics mini dynasty of the 80s. That's why he comes in number 34 on the all-time list. Let's go to one of our callers that has a Kevin McHale question. Hey, Nick, I know a little bit about Kevin McHale and you know how important he was to these Celtics teams, whether it was the scoring or the rebounding. You know, He was an enforcer who could also really score the ball. But realistically, what do you think the score of a one-on-one -on -one game would be between LeBron James and Kevin McHale? 11-0? I mean, at a certain point, don't you have to be a more competent all-around player than just a guy who can, you know, rebound and have good footwork in the post? Let me know what you think. Yeah, listen, of course Mikhail would get roasted in a one-on-one -on -one game against many guys. And like, comparing him to LeBron, who's going to show up on the spoiler alert, in the top three of this list is unfair. But his contributions to winning basketball cannot be overstated. And on top of that, what he... I, I, I want people to understand, again, it, not to restate my own points, but there's a guy that averaged 26 and 11 in the 85 finals. Aver led the team in scoring in the 86 finals. He wasn't just, he wasn't a role player. Now, would a team with Kevin McHale as their best guy have been a champion? Probably not. But would he have undoubtedly had multiple top five MVP finishes instead of just the one? I think so. I'm very comfortable with him as the second best supporting actor, if you will, in NBA history, being number 34. And that leads us seamlessly to number 33. Number 33, Scottie Pippen. So Scottie Pippen's resume is, he's got a lot of things going for him. He has three-time first-team All-NBA, two-time second-team All-NBA, two-time third-team All-NBA, 10-time All-Defense, top five MVP voting twice, one-third place finish. And the first year without Michael Jordan, the Bulls won 55 games. And this is where I'm contractually obligated to remind you, the Bulls won, Michael Jordan in his career, won zero playoff series and only one playoff game before Scottie Pippen was with him. And once, he, once Jordan didn't have Pippen anymore, those wizard years, never saw the playoffs. So let's not act like Scottie Pippen was just riding Jordan's coattails. So, what postseason accomplishments was a big part of this. Obviously, second best player on a six-time champion. His rookie year, game five, first round elimination game. He's 24-6-5 against Cleveland for the first Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls playoff series win. Now, the next few years are tough for him. 89-90 and 90 against the Pistons. 89 in the final game of the series, he only plays one minute. 90 in Game 7 is the migraine game. They talked a ton about that in the last dance, obviously. But he rallied after that. 91, the closeout game to win the Bulls' first title. What did Scottie Pippen do? 32, 13, 7, and 5. 32 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 steals to win their first title. The next year, 92 against the Knicks. Now, this is important because the Knicks were one of only two teams to ever take the Bulls' seven games on their six title runs, all right? Game seven against the Knicks, 17, 11, 11, and three. By the way, also in that series against the Knicks, in the last dance, they talked about Michael Jordan catching all that flack 
for going to Atlantic City between games two and three. And then they talked about how in game four, he dropped the double nickel. What they left out of that is game three, the Bulls are down 0-2. This is the year they win their second title. Michael goes three for 18 after gambling all night in AC. What does Scotty do? Scotty had 29 points on 12 shots to help them stave off going down 0-3. They end up winning, obviously, four of the next five, and they end up going to the NBA Finals. That, By the way, in the closeout game to go to the NBA Finals in 92, 29, 12, 5, 4, and 4. 29 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 4 blocks. And then, and this is important, guys, we already talked about what he did the year without Jordan. But then when when Jordan is back, 95, the famous Nick Anderson game, not the missed free throws, but where Jordan gets ripped when they lose to the Magic. Scotty was 26-12-6 in that game six loss. He showed up in that game. During the playoffs, the second three-peat. This is when Scotty was a little past his prime. He's 18-7-5 for the three-peat. His playoff career high, he actually did his first year without Michael when he was with the Rockets. He scored 37, and he's played 206 career playoff games. So two and a half seasons worth of playoff games. He was 18-8-5, so one of the greatest defenders ever. He showed up in the postseason after the migraine moment in 1990, and he won six titles. He, without a doubt, deserves to be on this list. Let's go to a caller who has a Scottie Pippen comment. Hey, Nick, you know why you're overrating Scottie Pippen? Let me remind you who he played with. His name was Michael Jordan, the greatest player to ever play the game. How long did it take Scottie Pippen to get good enough so Jordan could have one damn all-star perennial to play with to win championships? It took him four years. The dude came in as an eight points per game scorer. He had a bad back. He didn't know what he was doing on the court. And day after day and practice after practice, Michael continually lifted him up. Michael leaves. What does Scotty do? They lose to the Knicks. Tony Kukoc bails him out in game three. He doesn't do anything in the fourth quarter in game seven against New York. He leaves the Bulls. What happens in Portland? They melt down against the Lakers in the fourth quarter, blow a game seven, his one chance to go back to the finals. Whenever Michael left, Scotty did nothing. You love to talk about, oh, they won 55 games. Yeah, they won 55 games. They lost in the second damn round. Scotty Pippen without Mike is a very good basketball player. Period. If Dominique Wilkins had been on the Bulls when Scotty was in 88-89, you know what happens? They beat the damn Detroit Pistons. Scotty was killing Michael, waiting for him to get good. Okay, listen, full disclosure, that's my buddy Mark Carmen, who does a great job on the radio and on television in Chicago. He is also a Michael Jordan super fan. And like most Michael Jordan super fans, they try to twist history to make Jordan this deified character as opposed to a three-dimensional human being. And what, here's what I don't do. As you know, some would call me a LeBron guy. I don't try to tear down Dwayne Wade. You're going to see him in the, high on this list. I don't try to tear down Anthony Davis. You already saw him on this list. The Jordan fans like to act like Scottie Pippen was a glorified Orlando Woolridge who just Jordan just pulled to the finals. Flatly untrue. So while I love and respect Carm, he's dead wrong on Pippen. He's the 33rd greatest player ever. We'll be right back. 
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right, welcome back in. What's Right with Nick Wright's special edition, the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years in NBA history. Number 34 was Kevin McHale. Number 33 was Scottie Pippen. Number 32, Kawhi Leonard. Three-time first-team All-NBA, two-time second-team All-NBA, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, three top-five MVP finishes, including a second-place finish, seven-time All-Defensive Team. So that's the individual accomplishments. The team accomplishments are a little more complicated in the beginning than not complicated at all at the end. He's a two-time Finals MVP with a bit of an asterisk. That first finals MVP, the one he got with the Spurs, is, other than Andre Iguodala's and Wes Unseld's, probably the most curious head-scratching finals MVP ever awarded. He did have 29-4 and in game three of those finals. However, he also had consecutive nine-point finals games in a finals. He won finals MVP for averaging 18 points and six rebounds. So that's that's a finals MVP, but only kind of. However, the next finals MVP he won it was a no-doubter, and that's what I want to talk about because he was the best player without a doubt on a champion. And let's talk about the, the runs where he was the best player on a team. 2017, his last healthy year with the Spurs. Kawhi was 28-8-5, and five, and his shooting splits for that playoff run were 53 from the field, 46% from three, and 93% from the free throw line. That all ended when Zaza Pachulia put his foot underneath him on that corner three-pointer in game one of the Western Conference Finals, and that essentially also ended his Spurs run. But then the very next year, the year with Toronto, he had one of the greatest postseason runs ever. 2019 Eastern Conference Semifinals, here's what Kawhi does. Game one, 45 and 11. Game four, 39, 14, and five. Game seven, 41, eight, and three. And oh yeah, by the way, a buzzer beater in game seven over Joel Embiid to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. What happened in the Eastern Conference Finals? That was supposed to be the year Giannis broke through. I thought that was going to be the year Giannis broke through. Remember going on TV saying this is Giannis is going to win MVP, going to be the, going to win the championship. The Bucs are rolling. They're up two nothing in that series on Toronto. 
Game three goes to, I think, triple overtime, certainly at least double overtime. And Kawhi is 36, 9, and 5, down 2 0 to avoid going down 0 3, and they end up winning four in a row. In game five of those Eastern Conference Finals, he's 35, 7, and 9. And for the playoff run, 30 points, nine rebounds per game, carrying a good but far from great Raptors team to a championship. Now, is that different if KD doesn't pop his Achilles, if Clay doesn't blow out his knee? Maybe. But Kawhi was there for all of it. Then the 2021 playoff run. So just last year, he's 30 points and eight rebounds a game on 57% shooting, including 45 and six in a critical game five against my guy Luka in the Mavs in round one. But then he tore his ACL, and we haven't seen him since. And thus is the rub with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi showed us in the 2017 postseason that, I mean, this is arguably a top three player, top two player, top one player in the league. Then he got hurt. 2019 postseason, he stays healthy because 2018 he basically missed the whole year, and they win the title. 2020, they blow the 3-1 lead. 2021, oh man, here comes Kawhi, looking like the best player in the league again, and then he gets hurt. So he's the best player on a champion. He's been to three finals. He's won two finals MVPs, but it also feels like we almost haven't seen enough of Kawhi Leonard. That's how he sits there at number 32, one of the greatest perimeter defenders ever and one of the greatest individual single season playoff runs ever. Kawhi, here's my buddy Kevin Wilds with a Kawhi Leonard question. Call me old-fashioned. You know what I like? Finals MVPs. Kawhi's got two finals MVPs. Here's a list of guys with two finals MVPs or more. Jordan, LeBron, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Magic. Kawhi has two. KD, Kobe, Keem, Bird, Kareem, Willis Reed. That's it. That's the list. Everybody else has got one or none. I didn't name 33 guys. There are 32 guys. Kawhi's got to be moved up. On finals MVPs alone, he's got to be moved up. All right, my guy Wilds, his finals MVP obsession is purely because he's mad that Paul Pierce is not on this list and Paul Pierce has a finals MVP. And again, on finals MVPs alone, maybe I would move him up if I valued that first finals MVP as much as other finals MVPs. I don't. I just flatly don't. Like, the guy averaged 18 and 6 for that, for that, those finals. Games one and games two, he had nine points. So I understand you have to give it to someone. I'd have given it to Duncan. But the I, th- that was Kawhi's biggest issue. The other issue is this, just quickly before I move on, because his top-level play has been unbelievable. Kawhi has not played 600 games. Kawhi does not have, how many career assists does he have? 1,600 career, less than 4,000 career rebounds. He's not in the top 250 all-time in scoring. He's 11,000 points. And, I mean, he's 30. So it's it's a weird spot where Kawhi, when he's been at his best, he's been unbelievable, but he just hasn't played enough. He's oddly in a similar spot Walton is in. Obviously played more than Walton, but not that much more. So that's why I have him where he is. He is number 32. And then we get to a guy who playing a lot was not his issue. The fact that young people don't respect history is his issue. Number 31, Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes' numbers are mind-blowing. Let me go through them. Three-time first-team All-NBA, three-time second-team All-NBA, one-time scoring champ, two-time rebounding champ, three top five MVP finishes. 
but here's where it gets crazy. He is fourth on the all-time rebounding list. The people ahead of him, Wilt, Russell, and Kareem. He is 11th on the all-time scoring list. For his career, he averaged 21 and 13, and he played 80-plus games all 16 years. By the way, his average, his average for the first 12 years of his career was 24 points, 14 rebounds, 42 minutes per game, 81 games per year. That was his average. His first 12 years of his career, he missed a total of six games. What are his playoffs accomplishments? A 1978 champion and the best player on three finalists. He doesn't have a finals MVP. More on that in a moment. Career playoff averages, 23 and 13 and 96 career playoff games. Game five of the Eastern Conference semis, 1975 against Bob McAdoo and that really great Buffalo Braves team, 46, 12, 5, 3, and 3. They go to the finals in 1975. They lose to Rick Barry. He averages 21 and 11. Then to get to the 78 finals, he averages 23 and 16 to beat Dr. J, who's going to show up very high on this list, to get to the finals. When they finally break through and win the championship in 78, and this is one of the most egregious voting results in not sports history, but in, in voting history, politics, student council, Finals MVP. In the 1978 NBA Finals, Elvin Hayes averaged 21 and 12. Wes Unseld got Finals MVP. Wes Unseld averaged for the Finals 9 and 12. That is a true story. Elvin Hayes, 21 and 12. Teammate Wes Unseld, 9 and 12. Wes Unseld won Finals MVP. By the way, he's a defending champ in his first playoff game, 31 and 15 uh, in the first game as a defending champ. 39 and 15 in a game seven uh, as a defending champ. Down while he was down 3 1 uh, to Gervin in, in the Spurs, 25 and 17 averages over the final three games. And then in 79 as the defending champ, he averaged 20 and 12 in a rematch of the finals. They, of course, lost to Seattle, who they had beaten the previous year. So Elvin Hayes, fourth on the all time rebounding list, 11th on the all time scoring list. Three top five MVPs, but never won it. Best player on three finalists, won a championship, should have finals MVP, and was an absolute Iron Man. He's got to be somewhere on anybody's top 40 at the very least the last 50 years. He gets forgotten. Let's go to our pal Rick Buecher, who has an Elvin Hayes question. Elvin Hayes is one of those guys that often falls through the cracks, so good on you, Nick, for acknowledging him. But I have the same question that I had with Clyde Drexler, if Elvin hadn't won a championship in Washington with the Bullets, would we still look at him the same way? Yeah, no, we wouldn't have. But he was the best player on that team. He was amazing. Yeah, a lot of these guys, I love Rick Buecher, but a lot of these guys, if they hadn't had the crowning achievement of their career, they would be looked at differently. But he did have the crowning achievement of his career. He, he should have won that finals MVP, he carried that team to the finals. So we look at him the way we do. Went to three finals, the best player on all three teams. He should have won finals MVP. He's unbelievable longevity, unbelievable production. The number 31 player of the last 50 years, Elvin Hayes. And now, you might be like, my God, Nick. We just did six minutes on Elvin Hayes. Okay, number 30, and we'll wrap the show 
one of the most famous players in NBA history, one of the most polarizing players in NBA history. He's next. All right, I can't believe it. We are already to number 30 on the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. And listen, this is like eating, you know, you got to eat your vegetables to get the dessert. The vegetables were the six minutes on Elvin Hayes, who I think gets forgotten. The nice, you know, banana cream pie you're getting for dessert or whatever you want is number 30, a guy everyone has an opinion on. Why did I say banana cream pie? I'm not sure. I don't even know if I've ever had that. Number 30, Allen Iverson. All right, so Iverson, three-time first-team All-NBA, three-time second-team All-NBA, one All-NBA third-team. He won league MVP, obviously, three top-five finishes, four-time scoring champ, three-time steals champ, career points per game, 27. That is seventh all-time and of the last 50 years behind only MJ, LeBron, and Kevin Durant. What are his postseason accomplishments? He's the best player on a finalist, hands down. Three career 50-point playoff games. Three times. Only Wilt and Michael Jordan have done that more. Ten career 40-point playoff games. That's 10th most all-time, the seventh most in the last 50 years. 30 points per game in the playoffs, second all-time behind only Jordan. 45 minutes per game in the playoffs, third all-time behind only Wilt and Russell. So no player in the last 50 years has played more minutes per game in the playoffs than Allen Iverson. His first career playoff appearance, 29 points per game in 45 minutes per game, his first year in the postseason. But then what he's all remembered for the most, not just the step over of Ty Lue, but the 0-1 finals run. On that finals run, he was 33-5-6 in 46 minutes per game. He had two 50-point playoff games versus Vince in the Eastern Conference semifinals. This is something, and Demonze is going to ask me an Iverson question in a moment, not yet, but I I almost want to make you go back on YouTube and watch the 01 Eastern Conference semifinals because it's Apex Vince Carter, it's Apex Allen Iverson, and they are just trading 50-point games. It's so good. It ended up ending. Vince missed a shot. Game seven at the buzzer to move on. Iverson then went to play Ray Allen when Ray Allen was with the Bucks in the conference finals. But so he has two 50-point games against Vince in the Eastern Conference semis. And then against Ray Allen and those Bucks, he's 44-6-7 and seven in the elimination game to move on to the finals. And then at, 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 in that same series, he had 46 in game five when they were trying to move on to the finals against the Bucks, but they lost. First NBA finals game of his career, 48 five, and six, the step over of Ty Lue. And it should be noted that Lakers team that he beat, that was their only loss of that postseason. That Lakers team was running through the playoffs. Iverson beats them, and that's their only loss of that entire postseason. And they had no business beating them even that one game. I mean, that Lakers, that was the apex Shaq. Kobe was not apex Kobe, but he was absolutely amazing. And the Sixers steal game one. For those finals, he averaged 36, 6, and 4. A couple years later, game starts off the playoffs by scoring 55 against New Orleans, Baron Davis in New Orleans. He, a lot of people compare him to Russell Westbrook right, because a lot of volume and not a lot of efficiency. What I don't think people understand with AI is those teams he was on, is certainly early in his career, demanded that type of volume. 
You wanted Aaron McKee taking those shots. You wanted Dikembe taking those shots. You wanted uh, Todd McCullough taking those shots. Of course not. Eric Snow. Iverson had to be the guy to score. He had to be the guy taking those shots. And he was able to do it. And he was able to do it despite being, I've stood next to him, shorter than I am. I'm a touch over six feet tall. And he is my height at best. He's the 30th greatest player of the last 50 years. He's one of the most iconic and legendary players ever. Allen Iverson. Demonze, what's your Iverson question? He averaged 26 points per game in his career. Yeah. You could draw a straight line from him to Iverson. I mean, not Iverson. Uh, Curry and Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, do you think anybody could, could have stopped him in any era? Oh, I, no. I think he's getting buckets in any era. No, no, no. It, it, uh, I think Allen Iverson is going to score. The idea if it was too physical in the 80s. No. He, he's, too, he's too fast. He was an elite athlete. He was an all-state quarterback in high school. No, he's one of the greatest athletes ever. He, his game just didn't age great. And th- there is an element of the, the fact that he was not able to readily adjust to a lesser role, which kind of deprived him of a final act of his career. But he got the absolute most out of his talent. Some people, listen, there are going to be some names that are in the 20s, particularly point guards, that people are going to say Iverson was better than them. And maybe at his apex he was, but those guys were able to play far longer. But again, he is 10th all-time in career 40-point playoff game, games, 3rd all-time in career 50-point playoff games. His playoff average is 30 points per game in 45 minutes per game. The guy was an indefatigable warrior. He is one of the most important players in modern NBA history. He's number 30 on my 50 greatest players of the last 50 years, one Allen Iverson. We'll be right back next week where we get into players inside the top 30, including the most stylish player in NBA history who also had one of the greatest game sevens in NBA history. That's next week as we continue the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years on the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast.